good. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. <clears throat> As you're turning there, I'll share a little story with you. I don't know if you can relate to this. Uh, some of the dads here. Uh, there was a, a father and a son. They went fishing. And uh, after a couple hours out in the boat, uh, the boy suddenly became curious about the world around him. He asked his father, how does this boat float? The father thought for a moment and then replied, don't really know, son. The boy returned uh, to his contemplation and then turned back to his father. How do the fish breathe underwater? Once again, the father replied, don't rightly know, son. A little later, the boy asked his father, why is the sky blue? Again, the father replied, I don't know, son. Worried he was going to annoy his father, he said, Dad, do you mind me asking you all these questions? The dad said, of course not, son. If you don't ask questions, you'll never learn anything. I don't know if you ever feel that way as a dad. But, uh, you know, it is Father's Day, and um, <laughs> I'll just share with you personally, like, I, I had uh, a message prepared for today, and then um, from there, I just felt Lord was leading me to another message, which I was going to share this morning, and then uh, most recently, I just felt like, you know what, it's Father's Day, uh, I'm going to try to give a Father's Day message. Um, but in doing so, I, I just think it's important for us, uh, even again, today is Father's Day. Um, as we consider Father's Day, uh, I think it's important for us to, to again, remember some people. Um, one in particular, the ones who are fathers, <laughs> right? It's a good day to think of those who are fathers, those men who are staying in the game, um, with children of their own. And so, uh, again, to kind of recognize that and honor that, you know, that I do know one for Mother's Day. We're going to do that again today is, um, if you are a dad here, please stand up. Okay. All the dads here, let's stand up. Let's stand up. Let's give them a big hand. All right. Now, I believe I'm right in this. Stay standing, guys. But if you have been uh, a dad for less than a year, you got to sit down. Daniel, Dan, we recognize you. Know that there's a long road ahead, buddy. Long road ahead. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he's our newest dad, our newest dad. Um, and then, uh, so if you've been a dad for, let's say, 10 years or less, Sit down. I don't think anybody, oh, Brian, that is you. Okay, we got one. Got one down. All right. If you've been a dad for 20 years or less, sit down. 20 years or less. I'd have to sit down too. All right. All right. Uh, those dads who've been dads for 30 years or less, sit down. 30 years or less. I guess we've got six dads still standing. How about 40 years or less? Sit down. 40 years. Woo! 45 years or less. And, oh, and we got the two Dupinos, huh? The 
Tutupinos, I tell you. How many years have you been a dad, Richie? 46 years for Richie and Joey? 50 years. 50 years, man. Very good. You guys may sit down. Just again, give these guys a hand. And so, yeah, I want to recognize those who are fathers, right? Um, Those dads who are taking care of their children. But I also want to recognize today the ones who stepped up. I want to recognize those men who have stepped in to take care of and play a fatherly role for the children who aren't their own. And obviously you know that's me personally. (laughs) I know what that's like now. And... uh, But I want to give a shout-out to all stepfathers, grandfathers, uncles, older brothers, but especially foster dads. So I got, uh, I want to recognize brother mother today. That's for you. And I apologize for anybody who's been a foster parent that, you know, but I know Brian's in the thick of it right now. And so, uh, him and I have been fostering for some time now. And it's, it's something completely different. It is to, to, to be a father of someone who's not your own. And, uh, we need to pray for those, pray for those who are fostering. Um, but I also want to think of those who are grieving. I know there are people here this morning who are grieving the loss of their father. And perhaps maybe there are some here who are navigating uh, a strained relationship with their father. Or perhaps they're navigating a life lived with an absentee father. And I know that there are some here who this Father's Day is hard because you're grieving the loss of a child. But there are those that are grieving. And I just, uh, again, just my heart, um, say, just wanted to recognize uh, Ben and Tim. Okay? That little, the little plaque that I gave them just says, do everything for the glory of God. And the last people I want to recognize this morning is those who want to be fathers. Right? There are men who long to be fathers of their own, but for some reason it hasn't become a reality in their lives yet. We've got to pray for them too. But it's Father's Day. It's Father's Day, and it's not just about those dads who are staying in the game with their own children. Right? There's lots of other people that we can recognize today for Father's Day. But in Joshua chapter 1, if you're there already, we're just going to read the verse, first nine verses together this morning. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all his, this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your uh, foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. 
No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which all the law which Moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it uh, to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success have i not commanded you be strong and of good courage do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go and the lord will bless the reading of his word once again let's just pray our father in heaven thanks again for being a good father Uh, we're so thankful that every good gift every perfect gift comes uh, from you father and uh, with you there is no shadow of turning there's no variance um We're so thankful that you are the same yesterday, today, forever, uh, that you are an unchanging God, and we're thankful uh, for your faithfulness towards us. Uh, We would ask for uh, your help by thy spirit this morning to understand the things of God. Uh, We pray this, that your son may be honored and glorified in this place and in our lives. Um, We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. One little side note that's interesting is that in verse 8 there, we read that uh, at least the New King James translate this that um, he will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success it's actually the only time that that word is translated in the bible as success and so there's a whole neat thing here just if you want to have success in life there's so many things here uh there we're going to bring some of them out today as well um but the context here is this it's 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 now time for joshua to graduate okay it's time for joshua to become the leader that god designed him to be and he's going to get some marching orders here. Uh, but before we even kind of get into them, I want to just kind of set the scene for us, right? You remember the Israelites uh, set free from Egypt in what should have been, right, a, a two-week flight from Egypt has now turned into 40 years of wandering. 40 years, okay? And then, remember, after those 40 years, they came into the land of Canaan. They sent spies over, Right? And the land was true. It was, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. But man, did you see the giants over there? And because of their own fear and lack of faith, they wandered for another 40 years. What should have been a two-week flight from Egypt is now taking them 80 years in the wilderness. You know, the Israelites, they're coming up now to the land of Canaan again. And they're not proud of their past. But they're also frightened about the future. You know, we talked about this, I spoke earlier this year, um, where the Lord Jesus promised to deliver them out of Babylon, right? And he was going to make roads in the desert, right? And uh, rivers in the wilderness. I think I asked something like this then too, but I'll ask it again. Have you ever experienced a wilderness in your life? Right? Perhaps we can relate to being in a place in life where we feel stuck. 
that no matter what we do, no matter how many times we recalculate the route, it gets us right back to where we started. That's what it was for the people of God. Forty years. Not going anywhere. Stuck in the wilderness. Or perhaps, you know, we are experiencing a lack of fulfillment in our relationships, our health, our career. Maybe our our destiny and purpose in life. Maybe we have given up hope on things ever changing for the better. In result, we have decided to tread those same well-worn, familiar paths of bitterness, hopelessness, cynicism, and defeat. Perhaps you've just been wandering in the wilderness, experiencing more failure than faithfulness. How do we break it? How do we break the wilderness cycle? Right? How do we break the the, the wilderness cycle and get to the place of crossing? Get to that place of getting over. You see, symbolically, the, the Jordan River was a turning point on the way to freedom. The Jordan served as a boundary, right? Or a barrier between what the Israelites presently had and what God had promised them on the other side. And so it's symbolic. It's, it's a turning point in the lives of the Israelites. right? It, it was a barrier. It was a boundary um, that kept them from what God had promised for them. Now normally too, the Jordan River was pretty easy to cross. But during flood season, it was actually treacherous. In some sections, the distance across would swell to over two miles. It's important to note that when God calls His people to go over, to cross over, as we're reading here, it is precisely at its most dangerous and almost when it seems impossible. Take a look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 15. show you what I mean. We'll begin actually in verse 14. It says, So it was when the people set out from the camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water. It says, For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. It would be like just like God, right? The time where He tells them to cross over, it would be the most dangerous. Right? It would be the most impossible. Hey, God, you're going to have us cross now, this season, right now, when the banks are overflowing? Of course. Right? So my question to you also today is, what is your Jordan River today? What is that barrier, right? What is that barrier that you're facing? Maybe you just, again, you're stuck right, in this wilderness cycle, and you want to get over, right? You want to get from where, where you are here to get to where, what God has promised you, right? But you got that Jordan River, right? And it looks impossible. And again, like I said, this is a Father's Day message, but I think it's going to be applicable to everyone. But dads, where is God asking you to take a step of faith? Right? Really, symbolically in Scripture, the Jordan represents a decision. A decision. And so what we're going to do today is just in these short nine verses, we're going to look at uh, four ways that one can break 
the wilderness cycle and cross over to what God has promised on the other side. And the first one is this. The first lesson for us dads, but certainly for everyone here, is to submit to the purposes of God. Submit to the purposes of God. You see, after Moses died, the Lord spoke to Joshua, who had been serving as Moses' assistant. In verse 2, we see that. God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. I would imagine, I don't know, but maybe there was a, Joshua may have felt inadequate. Right? Maybe he felt alone. You know, but to this point, he was Moses' assistant. There was no one greater than Moses. Right? And, and just on a side note, I know many of us maybe have heard this. Maybe you've never heard this. Maybe we just need to be reminded of it, but it's a great truth, right? Moses, right, always represents the law, right? Moses is the one who got the Ten Commandments. He brought the law uh, to the people of God. But as you see here, before they could go over into the promised land that God promises, Moses died. You see, what Moses could not do, what the law could not do, Joshua could, couldn't he? Who is Joshua picture? Jesus Christ. That's right. It's a beautiful picture. Beautiful picture. But here, Moses is dead. Their great leader, Moses, is dead. Joshua has just been Moses' assistant. Right? And so he very well could feel alone now. Could feel inadequate. Right? And God tells him something very interesting. Okay? He says to Joshua, right, in, uh, in verse 2, Arise. Arise. Now that word there in the original actually means this. It means to take decisive action by standing. If nothing else today, I thought perhaps what dads need to hear today is, listen, we need dads to stand up. There's too many dads sitting on their recliners, on their phones, on their devices, lazy, not involved in the work of the Lord, not involved in raising children. And then what a great message that is just for dads today is, listen, God is saying this, I need you to arise. Get up. Get up. I don't care how inadequate you feel as a dad. I don't care how alone you might feel. I don't care what it is that you're feeling today. God is saying today, get up. Get up. Stand. Take decisive action. And then Joshua is told what his mission is. He says, get up, (laughs) Joshua, and I want you to go over this Jordan with all his people. Now, again, we already told you what the Jordan looks like. (laughs) God makes it clear, though, to Joshua that this is his work. Just as he had used Moses, he will now use Joshua. I think this is important for us to understand here is that God plans, God's plans, right, did not die with the departure of one man, right? You know, I don't know, maybe you had a godly father, right, or you had a godly influence that was like a father in your life, and that person is gone now, right? God's plan doesn't stop just because that person's gone. You're still here. (laughs) You're still here. He He has a purpose for you. And here, we see that uh, 
God's work is not dependent on one man. It was not dependent on just Moses. It was now going to be Joshua's turn to take the people over. You know, there's a story involving Yogi Berra. And uh, we all know Yogi Berra, the well-known catcher of New York Yankees. I got Greg's interest now. Um, and, and the story of him and Hank Aaron, okay, who at this time of the story, he was the chief power hitter for the Milwaukee Braves. Again, some of you older folk may know. I don't know who the Milwaukee Braves were. You know, but um, It's a long time ago. Okay? But the teams were playing in the World Series. And as usual, Yogi Berra was keeping up with his ceaseless chatter. Yogi liked to talk to all the batters. One, you know, used to get his teammates all pumped up. And the other hand, it also used to uh, irritate the batters for the other team. Okay? Distract them, so to speak. So as Aaron came to the plate, Yogi tried to distract him by saying, Henry... You're holding the bat wrong. You're supposed to hold it so you can read the trademark. Aaron didn't say anything. But when the next pitch came, he hit it into the left field bleachers. After rounding the bases and touching home plate, Aaron looked at Yogi Bear and said, I didn't come here to read. See, Hank Aaron knew his purpose. <laughs> he was a hitter. Okay? He was there to hit the ball. Right? We as dads, we as children of God, right, we have a purpose in this life, okay? We have to know what God's purpose is for us, and we have to submit ourselves to that purpose for him. You know, another way we could illustrate is this, is uh, the news commentator Dan Rather, again, which many of you know, he has a good way of keeping his professional objective always in mind. He says he looks often at a question that he's written on three slips of paper. He keeps one in his billfold, one in his pocket, and one on his desk. And the probing reminder is this, is what you are doing now helping the broadcast. Wouldn't that be great for us to write that down three times and put it in our lives? Is what you're doing right now helping the kingdom? Is what I'm doing right now God's purpose for me? That's a tremendous lesson for us. Okay? You know, uh, try to reach to all audiences here. Um, Christians without goals, right, are a little like Alice in the fairy tale Alice in Wonderland. In a conversation between her and the Cheshire Cat, Alice asked this, Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to go, said the Cheshire Cat. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. If you don't care, right, what God's purpose is for your life, then there's no meaning to life. But God is calling us today, is asking us to listen, get up, stand up, take an active decision, and submit yourself to the purposes of God. And listen, I don't think we have to go into what's God's purpose for me. It's not hard. It's not hard to read His Word, obey His Word, do what's right, be kind to others. Love your spouse. Love your children. Right? Serve the Lord. There's so many things that God has plainly laid out. This is our purpose in life. Submit yourself to the purposes of God. As he said to Joshua, arise. Right? To get from where you are to where God has promised you, all you've got to do is just cross over whatever that barrier is in your life.
But not only that, not only do we need to submit to the prompt, to the uh, submit to the purpose of God, but we need to seize the promises of God. Seize the promises of God. So here you got this new generation, right? Because I don't know if you understand this, is that when God sent them back out into the wilderness, only two guys survived, Joshua and Caleb. Everyone else died because of their unfaithfulness. Right? So you've got a whole new generation now that are standing on the banks of the Jordan, wondering if they have the faith to do what their wandering parents did not. We begin to see a new phrase now, where now, before, they didn't cross. Now God is telling Joshua, tell them, hey, go over. Go over. Really means to cross over. So this group of some now two million people, they're poised to claim the promise of God. Okay? They're probably also frightened that they will commit the same sin as their parents who died because of their disobedience. They're in a tough spot. Their leader, Moses, is now dead. But they're on the verge of a victory with only the Jordan River standing between them and the land flowing with milk and honey. God always keeps His promises. Always. Look at verse 3. God says, Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Verse 4 actually gives the specs to the title of the Lamb. He says, From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea towards uh, the going down of the sun shall be your territory. (laughs) Interesting. You guys have probably heard this before, is that this is actually far bigger than Israel ever claimed. (laughs) What God promised them, Israel still has not claimed. In some ways, they have not seized completely the promise of God. Right? The section here that that the the Word of God says covers about 300,000 square miles. But the most Israel has ever possessed was 30,000 square miles. About 10%. Isn't that so true of believers too today? Right? We don't seize the promises of God. All the things that God promises to us, we settle for 10%. You want to get out of that wilderness cycle and you want to cross over to what God has promised you, then you have to seize His promise. God also promises success. Look at the first part of verse 5. He said, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And in the second part of verse 5, He promises to be right by their side. He says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. The word leave there refers to abandoning or dropping someone. We can actually count on his presence because it's his promise. I don't know if you ever thought of that before, right? We always say, oh, God's with us. Yeah, because it's a promise of his. He's promised that to us. Romans chapter 8, we read, if God is for us, who could be against us? Let's try to illustrate it this way. Uh, a friend uh, tells of overhearing two little girls. They were playmates who were counting over their pennies. 
One said, I have five pennies. The other said, I have ten. No, said the first little girl. You have just five cents, the same as I. But, the second child quickly replied, my father said that when he came home tonight, he would give me five cents. So I have ten cents. See, the child's faith gave her proof of that which she did not see yet. Right? She counted it as already being hers. Right? Because it was already promised to her by who? Her father. Guys, we have so many things that have already been promised to you by our father. And yet we do not live, right, with the proof because we haven't seen it yet. Or we haven't counted it as already being ours just because we can't see it. I think one of the lessons we can learn is not just to uh, submit to the purposes of God, but we have to seize the promises of God as well. The third thing is we need to stand on the precepts of God. Two different times, God speaks the same words to Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous. In verse 6 and in verse 9. The word strong there actually comes from twisting ropes together. Courageous means to persist, to conquer. And then in verse 7, which is interesting, right? God says a little different way. He tells Joshua, only be strong and very courageous. The, worst, the, the use of the word only actually has the idea of only thing to be done. And the uh, word very, for very courage, means abundantly or exceedingly. The only thing to be done is for you to be strong and courageous, <laughs> he says. The root word for courage is the word encouragement, which literally means to put your heart into. You see, when God sees our fears, He wants to fill us with courage. Isaiah kind of reflects this when he says this in uh, Isaiah 43. He says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. It's interesting that God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous three times. Right? Usually in Scripture, when things are repeated three times, it communicates the greatest possible emphasis. Like holy, holy, holy. In Deuteronomy 31, Moses charged Joshua with being strong and courageous. Guess how many times? Three times. And in Joshua chapter 1 here, a little later on in verse 18, the people say to Joshua, only be strong and courageous. They promise to follow his leadership and they tell him not to be afraid. In verse 7, notice here it says, God telling Joshua, be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left so that you may have good success wherever you go. And in verse 8 again, he says, be careful to do according to all that is written in it. 
There's a story about a father who was vacationing with his family, and he came across a large sign that read, Road Closed, Do Not Enter. The man proceeded around the sign because he was confident it would save them time. His wife, of course, was resistant to the adventure, but there was no turning back for this persistent road warrior. After a few miles of successful navigation, he began to boast about his gift of discernment. His proud smile was quickly replaced with humble sweat when the road led to a washed-out bridge. He turned the car around and retraced his tracks to the main road. When they arrived at the original warning sign, he was greeted by large letters on the back of the sign, Welcome back, stupid. (laughs) You see, sometimes we can have utmost confidence in ourselves to figure out issues or to fix problems, but we let ourselves down. Confidence, right? And this is how it's related to these two. The only way that Joshua, right, could be strong and courageous, right? The only way he could be confident, right, is if he stood on the precepts of God. That's the only way. Confidence is only as good as the object it's placed in. When going through life, right, the wise person stands on the precepts of God. Not, right, on... Our own uh, confidence, right? Uh, to fix our problems, to figure out our issues, right? We have to stand on the precepts of God. The psalmist um, says it well, too, in Psalm 119. He says, I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. Is there anything that you've been putting off that you know God is telling you to do right now? Stick to the scriptures and you will be successful. If we want to be a successful dad, if we want to be a successful husband, a wife, if we want to be a successful parent, right? If we want to be a successful Christian, right? Then we have to stand on the precepts of God. Now again, it's interesting that there was a time there, right, where God spoke directly to his servants, But now things are actually written down, right? We're at a point here in Joshua's life where there are things that have been written down. um, And he's called to read them and to heed them, right? Uh, In verse 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It's interesting that, how funny that must be, to actually have the law of the Lord now written down, right? And and for God to say, listen, Joshua, this law of the Lord, and it wasn't much, right? Maybe the first few books, first five books of the Bible, right? But they had it written down, right? And even then, back then, they were told, hey, listen, meditate on this day and night. So just three quick points here regarding standing on the precepts of God is this. especially for dads here, but for everyone here, is that when it comes to having good success, right, we need to vocalize the Word of God. Talk about it, right? The Bible must be on our lips as we freely talk about it, quote it, and refer to it, okay? This is especially important for dads and moms, 
right? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. I don't know if you caught that before, right? Is that it says you shall talk of them. Moms and dads here, and for anyone else here, is that you should have some knowledge of the Scriptures so that you can talk about it. Right? Hey, there's nothing wrong with grabbing out that Bible, pull it out, and reading it. Better than nothing. Right? But as you find yourself every day reading and meditating on it, day and night, hopefully you get to a point where you have some of that in your head. Right? So you're able to talk freely about it. Okay? But it's important for us to vocalize the Scriptures. Right? To talk about it with our kids. Talk about it with each other. But not only that, we need to internalize. Think about it. Right? To meditate means to chew on or literally to mutter or dialogue with the Word. Okay? Sometimes I find the best way to do is memorize something and then meditate on it. Okay? But you certainly can have a portion of Scripture there in front of you. Read it and meditate on it. Internalize it. Think about it. Again, Psalm 119 says it this way, right? He says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. <laughs> and then in Psalm chapter 1, it says this, the one who meditates is actually called blessed. You want to be blessed? You want to be successful? Right? Meditate on God's word. All day, all night. It's something that not only should we talk about, Right? Vocalize, but it's something you should be internalizing as well. Thinking about it. And then the last thing is exercise it. Live it out. Okay? It must move from communication to meditation to application. The word must freely flow from our lips, but also must be evident in our lives. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 14 says, But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. That's how it should be for us. If you want to stand on the precepts of God, we need to vocalize it. We need to internalize it. We need to exercise it in our lives. So we are to submit to the purposes of God, seize the promises of God, stand on the precepts of God, and lastly, we are to soak in the presence of God. Don't you love the fact that God is always with us? I'll ask it again. Don't you love the fact that God is always with us? You see, Joshua needed that assurance, right? He needed the assurance that God was not, was now going to be with him. In, in verse 5 there, he says, Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay? The Hebrew literally would read, I will never make you sink. I will never drop you. Man, that's awesome. Perhaps as he's looking at the Jordan, that season banks overflowing, to hear God say, listen, I won't let you sink. I won't drop you. Right? Man, isn't it great? Whatever barrier that is in your life that you need to cross over, Man, soak in the presence of God where he says, listen, I won't drop you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. In Exodus 33, God says, my presence will go with you. And we know in Hebrews chapter 13, the same thing is said again. He says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. It reminds me of a four-year-old's prayer. 
She was trying to recite the Lord's Prayer, and one Sunday she prayed in a loud voice, Our Father, who art in heaven, I know you know my name. Man, praise the Lord. He knows my name. There's a story of a young man whose wife had passed, leaving him with a small son. They came home from the funeral. They went to bed early because there was nothing else he could bear to do. As he lay there in the darkness, grief-stricken and heartbroken, the little boy broke from the stillness of his little bed with a disturbing question. Daddy, where's mommy? The father got up and brought his little boy to bed with him. But the child was still disturbed and restless, occasionally asking questions such as, why isn't she here? When is she coming back? And finally, the little boy said, Daddy, I can't sleep unless your face is towards me. So the father turned, said he was facing his son in bed. In a little while, the boy was quiet. The father lay there in the darkness and then in childlike faith prayed, said, oh God, I don't see how I can survive this. The future looks so miserable, but if your face is towards me, somehow I think I can make it. We need to soak in the presence of God. To know that no matter what you're going through right now, that His face is towards you. That He won't let you sink. He won't let you, He won't drop you. Right? He's there with you. You know, something that I thought was interesting about this portion, when you look at it, the presence of God is actually like two pieces of bread in a sandwich with strength and courage as the meat. In verse 5, he says, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Then you've got the meat. Verse 6, 7, 9, he says, be strong and courageous. Only be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. And at the end of verse 9, he says, for the Lord is with you wherever you go. Isn't that great? God's presence is like those two slices of bread, Right? The meat, what you need in your life, right? To be strong and courageous. And you can do it because of the presence of God. Right? As we submit to His purposes, right? As we seize His promises, right? And as we um, stand on His precepts, right? We can do all things because we are in His presence. Because God is with us. Man, how Joshua must have been. What an assurance, for Joshua, to God say, listen, I'm with you. I'm with you. Listen, when you're struggling with being strong and you're caving instead of demonstrating courage, remember that you are surrounded by the presence of God. God's presence will give you the power to do what He's called you to do. You can have courage because of the character of God Himself. So this morning... Submit to the purposes of God. Seize the promises of God. Stand on the precepts of God. And soak in the presence of God. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, thank you again um, for giving us a little glimpse as to who our Father is. Um, thank you that, that you were God manifested in the flesh. And as you walked on this earth, we just see so many characteristics of God um, that make him such a good Father. And uh, I just pray for each and every one of us here. Uh, perhaps right now they may be going through a wilderness cycle or perhaps sometime in the near future we might find ourselves where we're kind of stuck. Um, and uh, you've asked us to cross over um, to what you've promised us. And whatever it is that barriers that, that lies in our way, Lord, I just pray that uh, we as your children, that we would um, submit ourselves to the purposes of God. Help us to really seize the promises of God. Lord Jesus, help us to stand on your precepts, that we would vocalize the Scriptures, and that we would internalize the Scriptures, and that we would exercise them in our lives. And oh, how we are encouraged this morning to soak in your presence. Thank you that your face is towards us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Father's Day.